Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. I'm Laura Hooper, and I have the Ask Why team with me. We're here with Dr. Gina Pritchard, our nurse practitioner in the Dallas area, Dr. Whit Wilkerson, a dentist in the St. Petersburg area. And today, we are asking why I should test myself. So let's uncover that, because I think this is also some phenomenon I see being in the healthcare industry, being able to work on both in the dental arena and the medical arena that a lot of our colleagues on both sides, um, in fact, we used to make jokes how nurses and doctors were some of the most unhealthy as patients because we're taking care of everybody else and not taking care of ourselves. So I think asking why um, we don't test ourselves, start this own journey with us, I think that's one of the most important questions we can be asking. Are we always helping others? Um, and that's like I say, the airplane phenomenon. Are you guys following here here with this? You know, you have a child with you on the airplane and it's that mentality of like they tell you, which is true, right? What are you supposed to do? Put your mask on first and then you put the child's mask on. And that's really hard sometimes I want to say as a parent, you think, wait, I want to save my children first. So I would want to put all their masks on. And I think that same philosophy really relates to me. That's how I see it. Did I put my mask on first so that I'm as healthy as can be? What's going on inside here so that I can help take care of others being in the healthcare arena? But we all have that journey. So ask why you would personally get tested, even if you don't have any signs and symptoms. Where are you on that? Did you put your mask on first? (laughs) Well, Laura, if I can jump in, uh, that's exactly the discussion we had lately among ourselves. And I realized that um, though I had been monitored very closely by my physician over the last few years, not since COVID, uh, in which there's been a lot of change, um, a lot of change of lifestyle, a lot of change of activity and and um, what we're doing. So um, together with Dr. Gina and yourself, um, I asked if we could go through the Cleveland Heart Lab studies for me. Um, I have an interesting background because going back to college, I've had sky high cholesterol. Uh, I worked in a medical lab in college and my cholesterol was nearly 300 back then. And I didn't appear unfit, so we assumed it was some genetic component, perhaps. But um, in the last several years, learning from Dr. Stephen Masley about and kind of a, what I would call an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, um, we implemented a lot of things for me uh, that were very important. And when we retested, it was so much improved, um, just dramatically better. But It's been about three years since the last time we had done that. And then we all went into hibernation. Um, I also had um, a total knee replacement in November. And so up until then, I'd been kind of inactive. I hadn't been going to the gym as much 
as I would have liked and even following. And then um, during COVID, some interesting little things snuck in uh, for me. For example, my wife and I, Pat, um, we would go on Friday and Saturday mornings just to encourage ourselves to St. Petersburg bagel and, and, and get a uh, cinnamon raisin bagel toasted with butter. And that was kind of our weekly treat, you know, just a, just a way to smile and, and, and enjoy uh, something. But I didn't consider that a bad habit. It was sort of an exception, you know, a little cheap snack. Um, but then our granddaughter, Carolina, who's now eight, she would spend the night with us one or two nights a week. And inevitably, at least one night, we would go to yogurtology and get frozen yogurt. So that became a little sneaky extra that uh, was part of our new routine uh, during this time. And um, so it's interesting, isn't it? Even when we know a lot, and I, I feel like I do, um, that we can slide in these little changes in lifestyle that are very subtle, that are kind of, you know, exceptions, not the rule. And 90% of the time I'm doing things right. And I don't eat a lot of sugar and I, you know, know about these things. So um, when we tested about, I guess, Gene, it was about two months ago or so, our findings were not good. And so Gina, you're welcome to share um, with our friends what our findings were um, and uh, what our concerns were. Well, your uh, lab results, as well as some of the other tests we did, are not at all uncommon from what we're finding with other individuals, even that don't, they, like you, they're like, I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm not quite as active as I was before with the lockdown. And maybe I'm not eating exactly like I was before the lockdown, that they have no idea what's going on inside their body until they check. And so both the lab work, as well as some, the ultrasound and some of the other tests we did, as you said, indicated that things were absolutely going in the wrong direction. And I too was surprised at how um, much your as you've already mentioned, your cholesterol levels had worsened and how much inflammation has worsened. We've talked on this podcast quite a bit about the importance of getting a complete inflammation panel when someone gets their blood drawn. Uh, and for yours, three out of the inflammatory markers were quite high. And that's not something we've been used to seeing in your lab work, even though we haven't tested in quite some time. And so um, we don't know how much that is related to the inactivity. Then I'm talking about everyone that's listening, not just you, not just me. Um, everyone that's listening needs to consider getting lab work done and getting some testing done, even if you feel like you're pretty healthy, because COVID has really changed things inside our body, I would have to say. And it may not just be the virus itself. It may be um, that we are, as you've alluded to, uh, wit is the inactivity, the little sneaky changes here and there and what we normally wouldn't eat. Maybe we're not sleeping as well. And Laura and I both in our practice have seen a marked increase in depression and anxiety and mental health uh, component to this era that we're all living through. So anyway, that being said, you're exactly right. We saw, we, we look at the artery wall 
for those who are listening or not familiar with that test, we're looking to see if an individual's blood vessels are healthy because think about it. Your blood vessels are responsible. They're like the pipeline to get all of the nourishment, the oxygen, the blood to every single cell in your body, and certainly to the major organs, to the kidneys, to the heart, to the brain. And so number one, you need to make sure that your blood vessels stay healthy to to live the life you want to live, to live a long life, and to have brain function, heart function, and kidney function, as I've just spoken about. And so, yeah, when we checked your ultrasound, things were not better and uh, things were worse in terms of your arterial health. And so that certainly got my attention. I know it did yours as well. So then when you have arterial health that it's, isn't going in the direction you want it to, you know, as well as I do with that, we look at all of the contributors. Okay. Let's get the blood work. Let's get the saliva testing. Let's think about how well is this person oxygenating? Let's look at all the lifestyle in, uh, factors to try to determine why are we going in the wrong, wrong direction? And so, as I said, on your blood work, inflammation looks worse. Cholesterol looks worse. And some of your vitamins and nutrients were, um, surprisingly going the wrong direction as well. And it's, it's kind of, uh, interesting because it's not like throughout the week, your diet was that much different. Maybe occasionally you had these aberrations, like you were telling me these bagels and yogurt, but still you would eat vegetables and, you know, you were eating a pretty healthy diet compared to a lot of people. You were not driving through McDonald's for every meal, for example, or stopping at the convenience store for a package of something. And, um, yet you, um, you may want to talk to us about kind of some of the vitamin and supplement regimen we, we put you on to try to um, get you back uh, to a healthier state and even healthier than before. So um, I think most people listening would be interested in knowing specifically what we test for. And um, we work with a Cleveland Heart Lab um, and do a panel. Um, uh, the panel includes a number of in inflammation markers. And these are markers that most physicians perhaps uh, don't use. Um, so um, can we just touch on maybe the diagnostic end uh, initially, and then we could talk about the treatment side of it. But um, so we hear about tests that we should ask for, uh, such as myeloperoxidase. Um, in layman's terms, what, what is that for? Well, these tests, uh, and I'll talk about myeloperoxidase in just a second. I just want to say this initial blood panel that you're getting ready to talk about is the inflammatory panel, because we're trying to determine if our body's immune system is doing its job correctly. And if we're helping it, in other words, we all hear about inflammation. Inflammation is the driver of all disease of chronic disease. Inflammation is bad. The truth of the matter is inflammation can be a good thing. It can be our immune system increasing its efforts to save our life, protect us from a wound, protect us, heal a wound, protect us from some kind of disease. Uh, even our inflammation markers will go up after a woman gives birth, for example. Our immune system is all day, every day, trying to moderate the response to keep us healthy. And Previously, perhaps some of our listeners have heard about C-reactive protein. That's been the only inflammatory marker that we had for many years to try to determine if the immune 
system was keeping our inflammation under control in a healthy way. But now we have many tests that can look at inflammation. And so myeloperoxidase, and then a second test called LPPLA2, we start with those two from the Cleveland Heart Lab when we're talking about protecting someone from heart attack and stroke specifically, although they can indicate other things. Myeloperoxidase indicates that there's an elevation of an enzyme indicating activity in the wall of the artery. We were talking earlier about keeping our blood vessels healthy. So if myeloperoxidase is elevated, we know we've got inflammation that's exaggerated. It's too high. Your immune system is trying its best, but there's a lot of activity going on in your blood vessels somewhere that we need to address as quickly as possible. Anything else you'd like to say about myeloperoxidase before we talk about some of the others? No. Um, and I would say um, this is some, the, these are critical ones I know that you talk about and Brad Bale and Amy Donine talk about as kind of taking uh, control or becoming involved in our own health and not just going to our physician. They do a panel of blood work and we don't really know what they're doing or what it means or are they including these things that are important? So myeloperoxidase, the plaque 2 CRP, those would be three key ones that you would want to test for, right? They would, absolutely. Yes, so I do agree. Listeners should take notes and then take that into their physician and say, uh, I would like these tests run. And I think oxidized LDL is also incredibly important. We, it really, uh, it kind of falls in inflammation and it kind of falls in cholesterol because as you know, LDL cholesterol is the bad cholesterol. We call it the bad because it's the one that is, when it's increased, can cause trouble in the wall of the artery, can get in the wall of the artery. And that's what ultimately leads to plaque. And so it's interesting that LDL that is not oxidized isn't nearly as dangerous as oxidized LDL. That tells us that there's bad cholesterol particles in the body that is causing trouble, so to speak, that are inflamed and that are um, actively building up plaque. So yes, and you had an elevated oxidized LDL as well. So that's another one that people want to ask for. And then uh, the ADMA, you and Laura can speak to really uh, more than I, in that ADMA, one of the other inflammatory markers, when elevated, we go right to thinking about low levels of nitric oxide because ADMA is a key player in that pathway of an individual having plenty of nitric oxide. And that may be a new concept for people listening, uh, but nitric oxide, think of it like your body's own nitroglycerin. If you've ever had a friend or a loved one who has a heart problem, has angina or chest pain that could be their heart. I don't know if this is as common today, but it used to be incredibly common in my world because so many of my ancestors had heart problems. And of course, many patients, I would write this prescription all day, every day to get the little bitty pills of nitroglycerin in a little bottle and you'd keep them in, men would keep them in their shirt pocket or women would keep them in their purse. And if they had chest pain or shortness of breath that they thought could be their heart, they would put it under their tongue and rightfully so. Because nitroglycerin that you put under your tongue, the little pill, immediately dilates every artery in your body, but certainly the heart arteries so that then you can get better blood flow. 
And really that is um, a very basic understanding of our own nitric oxide oxide inside our body that we should be producing at high levels to keep our arteries not only dilated when they need to be, but incredibly healthy. Nitroglycerin, I say the artery walls need to be bathed in nitroglycerin in order to do their job and be healthy. So in our testing, what we found was when we were looking at the three key inflammatory markers, myeloperoxidase, myeloperoxidase, PLAT2, and CRP, they were all elevated uh, to a high level. And then the oxidative LDL or lousy cholesterol um, was also elevated to a high level. Um, Lipids, meaning cholesterol uh, total and LDL cholesterol, et cetera, was also elevated. So we've got some work, we've got some work to do. And, um, The other thing you were mentioning has to do with nitric oxide and how nitric oxide can be depleted um, and how important it is to have high levels. And so, Laura, why don't you talk about the different sources of effective nitric oxide circulation in the body from, from your studies? Well, this is right what we do each and every day in our Don't World, what just talking about, honestly, I'm going to kind of go back to what Dr. Gina was talking about during the pandemic. I feel like you were talking about, okay, we started cheating a little bit, a little bit of, you know, ice cream and your bagel sounds so good, right? I think people were having bags of chips because next to their computer all day long. So I would say from that respect, you were doing really well than probably the mass majority of us in the world, right? Having just hands reach access to what I want to say, a lot of our snack foods that could get us in trouble. But we also were wearing masks a lot more. And this shifted a lot of people's breathing habits. Um, One of the biggest ones is just feeling like they couldn't breathe when they were in their mask where they normally were using their nose to do nice nasal breathing. We're now actually converting to breathe, breathing much heavier through their mouth. And that lack of using your nose to do nasal breathing really depletes us of nitric oxide because it's the flip of that. To make nitric oxide, we actually need to breathe through our nose in and out very nice and slow, and we'll make our own nitric oxide. So that shift happened, and you may be thinking of yourself in a store or walking around thinking, we see a lot of people are pulling their mask down or trying to put it below their nose. And, you know, I think you could just tell people were struggling. Well, that phenomenon, I feel like, overflowed into their nighttime breathing habits too. People, like we said, were stressed, a lot of anxiety. And so we weren't sleeping as well. And that's really where we make a lot of our nitric oxide again at night, having good nasal breathing, really talking about getting into that relaxed, restful state. And we can talk about all that in sleep. But I think just understanding that when that does happen, where we're lacking that nitric oxide, Something else is actually going on, and that's why I want to relate a little bit to the diet as well. I think a lot of people not only started wearing masks, they started using somehow really harsh mouthwashes, and maybe they just used it before once in the morning, you know, before I went to work or something at night. And now all of a sudden we have people rinsing with these types of products, um, 
all the time, <laughs> right? We were worried. We were, you know, some people are just scared. It was like every time I thought about it, I went and gargled or I was rinsing with something that I knew would maybe help break down, you know, the virus. And so we see that phenomenon taking place as well. What happened there is related to nitric oxide, we actually have to have these healthy common cell bacteria called nitrate reducers. And they actually reduce the food. Like if you're eating nice, healthy salad, your dark leafy greens, your beets, we actually naturally get these nitrates from our food. And then we have these healthy bacteria and enzymes that then will break that down in the gut to nitrate. Trait, and then that makes our nitric oxide another way and kind of recirculates through our bloodstream. So I think it's important when people are like, why did, like, oh, how is this happening to me? I just want everyone to kind of, I say, give themselves some grace, right? We went through a lot. A lot of our habits changed, just like you said. I think you did really well if you were only eating a bagel and having uh, ice cream yogurt once in a while, because I could admit, right, that we all, I think, kind of got out of what I want to say our normal practices of life making good choices. But I think some things went on unconsciously happened. So I just want to bring that up. A lot of people, we saw the shift in that nitric oxide and so again, looking at your numbers, we see that with the ADMA, that's a dimethylene arginine. We can talk about that, but it's showing that inverse relation where all of a sudden your numbers creeping up, you weren't making as much nitric oxide. So we're asking why, why is that happening? Is it because, wow, all of a sudden you're wearing that 95 max all day long at work, plus just, you know, trying to walk around having to maybe at times. And then, yeah, you know, did our, our breathing patterns change? I think we don't realize that it's just an unconscious thing that happens. And then, of course, you can add in the food. I'm sure the bagel with cinnamon and sugar wasn't helping any of our healthy bacteria. But that relates to then we looked at your saliva test. So as you're canceling out some of these healthy bacteria in the oral cavity in your mouth um, and not having that present, right, this allowed then what we call a little bit of shift in these types of bacteria you're growing, you start growing anaerobic bacteria. And we actually see then on your saliva test by HR5 that you had that shift. You start growing specific species that don't like oxygen. And so they actually then are thriving in that environment. And again, they get in your bloodstream. So we have this correlation going on. And so I think it's just really important to understand how important that process is um, because now we have dysbiosis in the mouth that we're swallowing, now dysbiosis in the gut, which we also have the process of the nitric oxide to be converted there. So I want everyone to just kind of make those connections again. We're connected from, uh, like how Dr. Jean always says, from tongue to tail. And so these bacteria then can not only cause some breakdown of the tissues in the mouth and get in the bloodstream, but you're actually swallowing them. And we know the same things happening in the GI tract and they were crossing over and that can be raising all of these levels. So no surprise, your myeloproxidase would go up, right? We have another inflammatory process, your plaque too. These are all related to dental as well that we're talking about these bacteria. In fact, you brought up Dr. Bradley Bale, and I just want to put in there when he sees that high MPO, that myeloproxidase enzyme that Dr. Gina was talking about, activity in the wall of the artery, a lot of times when we can't find out what's going on, 
I know he has said the statistic. I really like to know the you know real statistic if that is it. He says that eighty percent of the reasons that people have a high myeloproxidase, if we can't find it, you know, other root causes, where is it coming from? Could be from an abscess in the mouth, a silent abscess. So, you know, an infection going on. And so I think that's important then that we start to move in that direction, how much our mouth is connected. Well, I, I um, have done all the testing. So we've done all the blood work. We've done salivary testing. We did a sleep study. Um, what I'd like to do, maybe we're about to end this session, is in the next session, talk about what do we do? And so um, why do we do testing? Well, I hope that it's very obvious now that we need to continually monitor um, how we're doing and that things can change rapidly for a variety of reasons, uh, kind of in the environment that we live in. Um, so now that we found some high blood work changes and, and uh, salivary testing that wasn't ideal, the question is, what's our strategy? And so I'd like to spend um, our next podcast time together talking about each and every step that we've taken uh, to try to be proactive to reverse uh, what we're seeing. So Dr. Wilkerson, thank you so much for sharing your journey. I look forward to part two when we're going to talk about the steps that you are taking to correct your blood work and to get healthier, because all of us during this time, as never before, need to get tested. So all of our listeners, please check the show notes and find a list of all of the lab tests and additional types of tests that you will want to run on yourself. We recommend taking this list to your doctor and asking for these tests. Be proactive about your health in order to ensure that you have a long and healthy life and that you get your energy level and perhaps your brain function and your body uh, maybe even better than ever. I started to say back like you were before the whole COVID era, but let's try to see how good we can actually feel and how good we can be by knowing what's going on on the inside. So remember, between now and the next episode, to continue to ask why I need to be tested. Ask why should I look on the inside and ask my doctor to do some additional tests rather than just what's run on the routine annual blood work. And remember to subscribe to us, the Ask Why Medicine podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on social media. You can find us at Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you for joining us. As always, in the meantime, continue to ask why. Ask why.